So there I was, sleeping as soundly as one could at advanced individual training. You see, back in the good old days, our state's guardsmen, they didn't have to go to basic combat training or advanced individual training. They just more or less showed up one weekend a month like a social club, did what they had to do before driving the 10 or 15 minutes back to where they lived. Well, those days were a long time ago, and nowadays our National Guardsmen get the same exact training as our active duty counterparts. For better or worse, I got to experience firsthand the intensity and insanity that BCT and MOS training in the Army offered. So I woke from my sleep with an alarm going off, discovering that it was a fire alarm. I was in our barracks at Fort Lee, Virginia, And got up to throw some shoes on because you understand that if you're going anywhere outside the barracks, you better be in a proper uniform or there's going to be some form of a discipline or punishment, if you will. So I rushed down the hallway to see the stairwell already congested pretty badly. You see, the way it worked was there was three stairwells in this five-story building. But the men could only use the center stairwell while the females used the side stairwells. So there's like 30 to 40 of us already trying to pile in this one stairwell. And let me tell you, it wasn't going that well. But eventually we made it outside and saw a fire truck and people were starting to panic a little bit. So much for that military bearing they talk so much about. So our hall sergeants waited until everyone was out and formed up in a mass formation and looked at their watches. One female sergeant spoke up loud and clear and said, Five minutes and 48 seconds, huh? (laughs) Some of you would be dead right now if that was a real fire. The standard is three and a half minutes to get everyone out and formed up. Safety is something we take very seriously in the Army. Another sergeant, this one was a crazy-eyed mean one, said, Half right, face, front lean rest position, move And this is the part where all you veterans might recognize, and for those of you who've ever watched any military movie or TV show at all, you understand that they talk about doing push-ups a lot. Well, that's what we started doing. (laughs) So in the middle of the night, on the dew-covered grass, together as a couple hundred people, we all just started pushing. We had to pay the price. I can't even tell you how many we did. All I can tell you is that it taught us a lesson on how important it is to be prepared all times in the military. And today what I want to talk to you about is something similar. How important it is to be prepared in the Christian walk about what is going on and what will happen in the future. You might not have to do push-ups as punishment, but you will not like what will happen if you are not ready. So will you pray with me as we invite God's presence today? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to present this sermon today. God, I pray that there are your words and not mine. I pray that they can be challenging and encouraging at the same time. I pray that we can take them with us once we leave. In your name we pray. Amen. So during the past few months, Jared has been guiding us through James, and I, along with you, have just discovered how challenging and encouraging it can really be. Today we are wrapping up the series in a similar fashion, in my second sermon ever, and for some reason Jared trusted me to finish it out. (laughs) So we're about to find out how good of an idea that was. So without further ado, let's crack open God's word this morning and see what he has for us today. It's going to be in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 20. Be patient, 
Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. (laughs) Thus ends the book of James, and what a way to end it. Where do we even start? Well, I can tell you that each of our four main points could possibly split, be split into a mini-sermon all by themselves. But there's a common theme to be found here within each of them. And the main theme that our upcoming points will aim to is this. We know the end of the story, so we should be reminding ourselves and others about what is going on and what is to come. So with keeping that in mind, let's break down our first few verses in the passage above and get some helping points to further hammer home the theme. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So our first main point for the sermon today is be patient. So that primarily means being patient for God, as seen in the first verse. But James is also telling the church to not grumble against each other. Another word I would use in its place would be maybe complaining or even arguing. He doesn't stop there. He says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. It's our tendency to forget that God is omnipresent, that he's everywhere all the time. He sees everything we do. He hears every word we say and knows every thought we have ever had. So essentially what I interpret this scripture as saying is stop wasting your time with the things that don't matter. With grumbling and arguing amongst yourselves. We're on the same team after all. We have more important things to worry about, for example, the coming of the Lord. Stay focused and don't get distracted by what doesn't matter. Paul had another way of saying it. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that there be perfectly united in mind and thought. So to sum that up, 
be patient with God, and be patient with each other. So the next passage of Scripture we're going to break down is 10, 11, and 12. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So this doesn't necessarily mean that you're not allowed to take an oath in court or even make a promise with God as your witness. A good way I would think of describing it is as when I was growing up, a lot of people used to say, well, I swear by my grandmother's grave or I swear by this person's grave or that person's grave. And just because you're swearing on people or things that might mean a lot to you, that does not mean it's necessarily more truthful. And if you think it does, and I'm sorry to tell you, it's borderline idolatry to appeal to those other things. So maybe part of the reason people were swearing by so many things back then is because they could not be trusted, which leads to our next point. Be honest. Let your actions speak for themselves. Live authentic and consistent lives no matter what you're doing. Remain steadfast and be honest with your faith. God isn't especially fond of posers, liars, and fakers, You can't be a Christian by just saying you are. You actually have to live it consistently. There's a reason James is saying these things, and it's not because they're easy and we should, it should just be something easy to accomplish. He's saying it because it's going to be difficult to do. It's going to be difficult to persevere and to hold fast to this. If it was easy, then he wouldn't have to say it. So to put it simply, watch what you say, and don't use God's name in a reckless manner. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and the author of our salvation, and we need to treat his name as such. So on to the next passage of Scripture. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So sometimes, but not always, sickness can be related to sin. That is not always the case, but for some, it is. A good example of this can be found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, and your sins are forgiven of you. So while the other example is found in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work, works of God should be revealed in him. The key here is that when sin is the cause, then confession is a prerequisite to healing. Speaking of healing, your youth pastor has a confession to make. <laughs> I get uneasy anytime we ever talk about healing in the church. Unlike other gifts which can be strengthened with you and with God's help, and you kind of have some kind of 
power over strengthening it. This gift is entirely dependent on God. So sometimes He heals, sometimes He chooses not to. And I wish I could understand why. But even though we may never find out, it's important to say this next part. Don't stop praying. And don't stop praising. The main point for the third section of Scripture is be persistent. I like to think of it also as be vigilant. God does answer prayers, but that doesn't mean He's always going to give you the results that you want. He has His reasons, and maybe someday He will tell us about them. The last passage of Scripture we're going to break down is 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. See, these sets of verses are unique out of most places in Scripture because it's talking about people who once knew God on some level but just walked away. Whether that means they completely dipped out or are starting to, the point remains the same, they have wandered from the truth. And if I were a gambling man, I would wager that some people in here feel that way today. And maybe you're not entirely in this category where you've completely walked away, but maybe you've just got off track a little bit. Maybe a couple of bad decisions have left you wondering where you actually stand. Maybe you feel like there's a sin issue in your life and maybe you need to confess it with God. Or maybe you just haven't heard His voice in a really long time. So the final point for today as we begin to close out this sermon and series in James is this. Be prepared. Another way of saying this is prepare yourself. So if any of you in here are like me at all, you understand that no matter when God does decide to come back, you're still going to be scrambling being like, wait, why are you doing this? Slow down. You feel like you're not going to be ready regardless. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean just stop preparing altogether. It's a process. It takes time. So why not get started now? But don't only worry about yourself here. There's more at stake than just our own souls. There's people we know. There's people around us. The stakes are high. So go and get in on this great commission. But our final point pretty much sums up all the previous points cohesively as one. A wise life looks forward to Jesus' return, prepares for it, and shares with all around them what is to come. And when I say what is going to come, I'm talking about heaven and hell, folks. I know we paint these things about when someone dies on TV or in real life, we always want to say they're in a better place. But are they really? Are they always, does everyone get to go to heaven? Do they get a get-out-of-hell free card? I'm sorry if this is shocking news to some of you, but hell's a real place, and people are going to go there. And the less we talk about it and how uncomfortable it makes us feel, the less we diminish how important Jesus is to the equation. The book we've been reading in our small groups, Grace is Greater, said it something like this. The more we understand about how bad our sinful condition is, the greater His grace will seem to us. So if hell's not that big of a deal, if sin's not that big of a deal, then Jesus is not that big of a deal. But if we understand that sin and hell are that big of a deal, then we understand that Jesus is that big of a deal. I've said that way too much, but you get it. 
So maybe we need to realize there really is a price for our sin, and maybe we do need to start taking hell more seriously. And while many of us may not actually get the opportunity to bring back a sinner from their wondering, it doesn't mean that we can't do the little things. That we can't plant some seeds and maybe help others accomplish this task. We can pray for the unsaved more than we have before. And we can be prepared for the, when the Holy Spirit whispers in our ear when we're at work or someplace else saying, maybe now would be a good time for some good news. Folks, like Jared said a couple weeks ago, we are the agents of change. We are the envoys that God has sent to change the world and to make it a better place. We are a part of His plan to bring back the lost and the broken. But you can't do that if He is not in your life, and you can't do that if you're not prepared. So as we sing this song of invitation... I would like you to ask yourself, are you prepared? And if not, what can you do to get better prepared? We invite you to come up and make a decision as we sing.